Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, before we do anything, I just wanted to uh, encourage you just to stand up and greet somebody that you haven't actually spoken to today. So I just wanted to um, give you an opportunity just to say hello to someone that you have not said hello to today. Awesome. I'll give you about another 30 seconds. Okay, if you can find your seat now, that would be awesome. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, I know that at Centre Church, we're really good at um, welcoming people. I feel, anyway. I hope, hope that's true. <laughs> I feel like that's true. <laughs> Thank you, Miriam. <clears throat> and this year... I want us to make a, a uh, decision to get to know people better, even. And so, you know, without relationship, um, offence and unforgiveness can easily slip in, eh? And so it's important to, we, to know each other. If we're, our, if we're a family, which we are, we're a church family, we need to know each other. And if you have... Um, cousins that you don't know very well. It's good to get to know your cousins, right? So we're a church whānau here. It's good to get to know each other. You don't always get on with all your cousins, eh? You might not have all of them being your best buddies. And that's true anywhere. I mean, gosh, if we're all the same, it'd be boring, wouldn't it, as well? So, uh, so it's good to get to know each other. And I'd like to really encourage us as a church Let's, let's, uh, let's do an extra step, you know, let's, let's make an effort to say hello to people um, every Sunday, somebody new or somebody that you saw the week before even, um, invite people around, have a cuppa with them, maybe invite people for a meal. It's, it's really important that we get to know each other really, really well because when uh, things get difficult, who do we call on? Our family, right? And if we're church family, it's important that we know each other really well. Um, and I'd really encourage you as part of that, get involved in a group if you don't know people as well, that's, that's important. 
Um, Miriam got up um, a few weeks back and explained about her women's groups that she runs and Gail Ann and Richard got up and spoke about their group that they run on a Thursday evening for anybody. So, um, and, and also, you know, there's a prayer group that runs weekdays um, at church as well. So that's a good group to be involved in too if you're free um, during the week. Uh, 9.30 every day for an hour. Wednesdays, it's at 9 for an hour. So I just wanted to encourage you with that. You know, with, with us, if we're, if we're wanting to see people blessed, we need to make sure we're welcoming as well. So our t- the title for the message today is Bless Those Who Curse You. And uh, in Luke six twenty seven to 28, Jesus said, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. And in Matthew 5, uh, it's, a, it's the same, it's a recording of the same thing that Jesus said, but in Matthew 5, he added as well, and persecute you. So, you know, we, it's easy to bless the people that bless us, isn't it? Hey, we all do that. Everybody does that. But uh, it's not so easy to bless those who curse you. And, you know, verse 29 of Luke 6 goes on to say, To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. And this verse is saying that we shouldn't retaliate in the same way, I believe. We shouldn't be retaliating in the same way when people attack us. So, you know, and the reason why is because God says to walk in love. He tells us to walk in love because he does. And he says in Ephesians 1 to imitate him. God is kind to the unthankful and the evil. And I'll just read that scripture, actually. It's from Luke 6 as well. I'll just go in there and find that. Luke 6. So he's, he's going on to say about love your enemies, bless those who curse you. And then further down he says, for he, that's God, is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father in heaven is merciful. So that's how God wants us to be. If we're to imitate him, that's how he wants us to be. So our response should always be in love. Doesn't mean that we get walked over, though. There's a, there's a difference between those things. You know, Jesus told us to bless those who curse us. And the reason for that is because when we respond in love, it unlocks God's blessing for us. It allows him to work for us through the laws of seed, plant, and harvest. And it, often God's laws don't make sense to, the, to man's brain because it's not the way that we're necessarily um, taught to be. But with God, he does things that don't defy logic quite often. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. He does, doesn't he? He defies logic a lot. And so, you know, we want to bless those who curse us. And so it can be very tempting to react in anger or fear, um, or even by murmuring or gossiping. And I'll just say that murmuring isn't a word we use that often, but to murmur is to give a half-suppressed or muttered complaint. And uh, I don't know if anyone's ever heard anyone do that before, but I know, I know I have. I may have even done it myself once or twice. But every reaction starts with a thought, doesn't it? Everything that we do starts with a thought in here first because our thought tells our body to do what it's going to do. 
So, um, but God tells us in his word to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ in 2 Corinthians 10.5. So every word that we say is a seed that is going to reap a harvest. So every word, so that's the good words and the not so good words as well. So as Christians, it's important that we start getting that revelation that our words are seeds and they will reap a harvest. So when we sow the seed of love, Proverbs 10:12 says that our harvest is for our sin to be covered. That's interesting, isn't it? So when we love other people, God will cover our sin. I think that's pretty, pretty neat. And, uh, as, you know, when our heart's right with God and we're reacting in love, I think that's a good thing. When we retaliate, we're still sowing a seed, though. When we retaliate in anger or fear, it's a seed, and we don't really want the harvest of those things because they're not necessarily good. And it talks about that in Proverbs quite a lot. It actually talks about uh, seed plant and harvest throughout Proverbs. And so it, it'll say... Um, Pride comes before destruction, for example. So if, if you've got the, sow, the seed of pride in your life, then that, the harvest is destruction, that kind of thing, which is not a good thing that we're going to want, right? God says um, to love without hypocrisy, okay? And so that's from Romans 12. And there are some verses in verses 9 to 21 where he says, also, to bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. That's in Romans 12, 14. Uh, associate with the humble. I like that because that's better than associating with murmurers or gossipers. Okay? Don't be wise in your own opinion. Okay? When you're wise in your own opinion, that's pride, actually. And, uh, and it's always, I mean, we might know more than other people, but we don't need to be saying, well, you're wrong, you know, um, and rubbing it in. And as much as depends on us, live peaceably with all, with, without compromising our values, though, of course. And also, you know, God says, do not avenge yourselves. He says in verse 19 to 20 of Romans 12, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Therefore, if, and this I love this, because he's saying, don't you worry about vengeance because I've got it sorted, okay? He goes, this is what I want you to do instead. I want you to respond in love. He says, therefore, if your enemy hungers, feed him. If he thirsts, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. That's interesting, isn't it? So when we respond in love, then it totally changes things totally changes things. So, you know, when we get to know God better, we begin to realize that God isn't waiting with a big stick to hit us over the head when we do something wrong. Thankfully, otherwise I'd have my head beaten in a lot. Hey, anybody else? <laughs> I know I would, that's for sure. <clears throat> none, of us, none of us are perfect, but you know what? Jesus already redeemed us from sin. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. Um, when we love one another... And he tells us to do that. He, he does that because it's, he knows that it set the seed, plant and harvest thing in, in motion, you know. And so he knows that we will be blessed. So I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 7 from the Amplified. And this is talking in some detail about how to love. And so 
This is a good kind of checkup for us. Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful. We can ask ourselves, are we patient? Are we kind, thoughtful? And uh, love is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. Okay. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked nor overly sensitive when easily angered. It does not take into account a wrong endured. It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes, believes all things, looking for the best in each one, hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, and endures all things without weakening. And the next verse after that starts off saying, love never fails. It doesn't either. But sometimes when we are um, cursed or persecuted or um, treated badly, Forgiveness is needed, right? Sometimes forgiveness is needed. But we know we're supposed to respond in love. But what about the hurt? What about the hurt that we feel? What about the pain or all the trauma? And God says we do need to forgive. And he says, as I said before, we need to imitate him. He forgave us. In fact, he forgave us of every single thing. That's quite a huge thing, right? In fact, God doesn't even remember our sin, it says in Isaiah 43, 25. He doesn't even remember it. He forgave us and then it's gone, like completely. It's not sitting in a file waiting for him to pull out and say, so that he can say, I remember when you did this though. That, uh, you know, I remember when you did that and it was not good. So, you know, you're doing it again. Hey. God doesn't bring that stuff up. And in fact, actually, if, if you're being condemned, then that's the enemy condemning you. Okay. So Colossians 3.13 says, Forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. And in Matthew 18.21-22, Jesus um, said that we need to forgive as many times as it takes, basically. 70 times 7, which is a lot, right? It's a lot. So as many times as it takes, forgive. But I do want to say, though, that um, to love and forgive does not necessarily mean that we should go into or back to unhealthy situations. For example, abusive situations. That's not what I'm talking about at all, okay? I just wanted to clarify that. So what does it mean to bless those who curse you? Well, first of all, it means to speak good words, right, over them. So not only does it take courage to speak good words over people who have cursed us, but it often takes faith as well, right? Because <laughs> you don't feel like saying anything good, right? And so it takes faith. You've got to take a step of faith. So just as we often must forgive by faith, and that's basically forgiving before we feel like it. It's saying, I, forg I forgive them, Lord, I forgive them. Um, but we can speak blessing in faith as well. We can say, thank you, God, you bless, you bless those people. You bless them abundantly. Thank you, Father God, for the life that you pour into them. 
Father God, Lord, thank you for their salvation. I speak blessing and life over those people. That's an example of what you can be doing. You don't have to say it to them. You can just pray it over them. So, what happens when we refuse to forgive? Well, Mark 11, 25 and 26 says that when we... There's a few things that happen, but I'm going to give you six different things. The first and second ones are that God can't forgive us, it says in Mark 11, 25 to 26. So actually, it, it kind of creates a barrier. The second thing is it prevents our prayer life being effective. So it prevents when we pray. So let me just go to that really quickly. Mark 11. This is, the, this is a scripture that was used many times by Kenneth E. Hagen, and uh, it's a really good scripture. So he says in verse 22 of Mark 11, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So it's talking about faith. It's talking about how um, when we believe that we have them, we don't have to see it physically uh, immediately, but when we pray, that's when we receive, uh, when we're praying by faith. But then the following verses say, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Okay, so, so the, those are the first two. The third one is that it does allow an opening for the enemy to take advantage so 2 Corinthians 2, verses 10 to 11, says, now, now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for, us, for your sakes in the presence of Christ. So he's talking about forgiveness. And then verse 11, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So when we when we, don't, when we refuse to forgive, that does create an opening for the enemy. Um, chap, uh, fourth point is that we give an opportunity for pride, which is another ungodly quality, to manifest. And as I said before, the word says that pride comes before destruction. Pride destroys families, it says in Proverbs 15.25. And pride stirs up strife, Proverbs 28.25. So, um, pride is a, is, a, is a horrible thing, um, and, and an indicator of pride is when a person refuses to acknowledge when they're wrong, and they don't want to accept any blame. Um, the fifth point is, if left for quite a while, if, if unforgiveness is left to simmer, it pollutes our soul and starts to create a root of bitterness. And uh, that's spoken about in, in Hebrews 12, 15, which I'll talk about a little bit more later. And the last one, it, it weakens our spirit and actually can make us physically and mentally sick as well. So I want to talk about bitterness because bitterness starts to take root when we cling to anger and resentment and we start to hold a grudge. Has anyone ever done that? I'm just going to put my hand up because I know I have, definitely. Um, emotions resulting in bitterness can include unresolved anger 
Now, I just want you to know that it is possible to be angry and not sin. Ephesians 4.26. So anger in itself is not wrong. It just depends what the motivation is and whether we decide to hold on to it and dwell on it and allow it to fester because it becomes like an open wound that gets infected then and it's really unhealthy. And the other one is not allowing ourselves um, a chance to grieve. So when we experience trauma or loss or when relationships don't live up to expectations, we, there's a sense of grief. And when we don't grieve properly, um, and, you know, a lot of us will have been through grief because there's a whole bunch of stages um, to it. There's like a, a deep sadness and then there's usually an anger with that and there's a whole bunch of different range of emotions that you can feel but if you internalize it and push it down then that can be really unhealthy and it can doesn't always but it can turn to bitterness Um, and another thing is that when people don't meet our expectations we can become fixated on trying to change them or thinking of ways that they should change has anyone ever done that you don't have to put your hand up to that (laughs) thinking, man, they should change. Man, this, this message is for them. Has anyone ever done that? I have. I'll admit, I have done it. And, uh, and then I realized, hang on a minute, <laughs> I'm not meant to be doing that. If I'm pointing the finger at somebody else, I've got a whole bunch of fingers pointing back at myself, right? And so um, we should never be trying to change anyone else. The only person that we should be trying to change is ourselves, and that's with God's help. Self, self-control and, and is good, but control of other people is not. And, uh, and in fact, that's actually witchcraft. So, uh, so I just want you, you know, also I just wanted to mention this too, that we do need to be aware that we sometimes put unrealistic expectations on other people too and so when other people don't meet our expectations we get really annoyed with them quite often we don't actually tell them we have these expectations of them though and so then (laughs) if they don't meet those expectations then we're really angry and you know but they don't even realize so just we need to be aware of that as well Um, so I want to talk about the root of bitterness for a moment so Hebrews 12 let's turn there Hebrews 12, verses 14 to 15, says, Pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord, looking diligently, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So unforgiveness, when left unchecked, puts down a taproot, Pastor Peter, can you pass me that? You could just grab the thing out if you want. I, Pastor Peter um, went and got me. It's all wilted now. But uh, at our property, we have dock growing, so, and it's a weed, and uh, it's really difficult to get rid of. And I'll tell you why, because there's the ground level, and look how deep that root goes. So it's not one of those plants that you can easily pull out. Well, you can't. Well, you, yeah, no, you can't, because often what will happen is that... Um, the green part will break off and you'll just be left with the roots still in the ground but nothing on top. And what happens then is it continues to grow. Uh, And even if you get part of the root out, even if it broke down to here, 
sometimes it'll still keep growing anyway. So you've got to get that whole root out. And I was thinking, man, Doc is like a root of bitterness. Because if you don't get the whole thing out, it continues to cause issues. And so, um, so I thought that would be a really good example of, of bitterness because it's, what happens is bitterness starts to take root and, and, you know, if I just put a little bit of this root into the ground, it would start growing most likely because we've had um, work done at our place involving diggers and things like that. And there, there was some dock, but when it gets broken up into bits, it's like it creates a whole bunch of plants. And they're like, yay, we get to reproduce. And then we, and then it, and our, a lot of our soil is very clay, and so when it gets hot, it gets very um, hard, and it's extremely difficult to get out. So, yeah, bitterness starts to take root when we dig, cling to anger and resentment, and start to hold a grudge, as I said before. And so, with um, just like this dock root. It's, when it's left unchecked, it'll just continue to grow and it can go really deep and it can be very hard, but not impossible, I want to say, to pull out. And when you pull it out, you have to get the whole root out, okay? So this scripture in Hebrews 12 indicates that bitterness can be passed on to others who listen to the bitter words you say or we say. And this is why bitterness is sometimes passed down in a family from one generation to the next. So unfortunately, bitterness can, can and I haven't got a comprehensive list here, but it can show up as sharp reactions, you know, um, like reactions that are unexpected, like uh, unexpected outbursts kind of thing can be um, people like sometimes that might be sarcastic, but it's got like a really a bit of a bite to it, and um, it's sort of got a really kind of a pointed sarcasm that's hurtful, and uh, frequently been critical and negative. It can include pessimism and murmuring. It can include self-righteous words and fault-finding. And the problem with fault-finding is that when a person's fault-finding, they'll always find fault, <laughs> because we're all, we all have faults, right? And so person that's looking for faults is definitely going to find them. <laughs> definitely. And so, you know, but that, that's not love. And so love is where we, where we love people no matter what, you know. So bitterness roots itself in people who have internalised their hurt and pain. They've dwelt on the hurt, mulling it over and over um, and over in their minds. And it holds faults in memory and when triggered, unleashes them all at once in anger. Now, I want to give you a little example from my own life because I, as I was preparing this, I was thinking, Lord, is there anything that I've held on to in my life? Is there any unresolved um, resentment that I've had? And just this morning I woke up and the Holy Spirit said to me, uh, when you were a teenager and you weren't allowed to do some of the things you weren't wanted to do, you started getting resentful. And, and, and that has affected you. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, and it wasn't, my parents thought they were doing the right thing, and so I don't hold them accountable at all, but 
I know that it was the way that I chose to react. I chose to be resentful about that. And, uh, and so it's affected me. And it can affect anybody. It depends on the way we react to things, I think. Um, and so I said, thank you, Holy Spirit, because once I know that, I can deal with it. And I don't want to have any unforgiveness towards anybody, and I don't want to have any bitterness towards anybody. And so for the Holy Spirit to highlight that to me, that's a good thing, because I think, great, now I can, now I know that that's one of the issues, I can deal with it. Hey. So that's, that's cool. And... Uh, yeah, so bitterness can affect our health. And when it's left unchecked, it can result in physical, mental, and emotional illnesses. And there was a study that was done, and I don't have the details of it here, but bitterness can interfere with our metabolism, our immune response, our organ function, and can cause physical diseases, which is very interesting because I am a strong believer in, in the holistic um, the fact that God has made us a three-part being, we're spirit, we have, we have a soul, we live in a body. Of course, if something's affected in one area, it's going to affect another area, right? And so for me, because I've been brought up in a world where um, you go to the doctor for a physical complaint and he'll say, oh, it's because of this or whatever, but never ever was it ever suggested that perhaps have you got in some internalized unforgiveness or bitterness or anything like that, which is fascinating to me. And I really believe that that is true and that often um, things that we go through in our life, the trauma we might face, even as a child, can affect us right through. And it, mi and it might not be our fault. It probably isn't, in fact. And yet it's the way we react to things that can really affect us. And so, um, yeah, that, uh, in fact, we, Pastor Peter and I have been going to see a man who, what we would call an alternative health provider. And he um, is wonderful. He's a Christian man too, which is really cool. But he said to me one day, um, he, was, he just sort of does some tests and, and stuff and it's related to um, kind of your, oh, I'm not, I don't even actually know fully how it works. But anyway, he said to me, hmm, Lisa, I think, and he had his eyes closed and he was just touching me. And he said, I think you might have a little bit of unforgiveness. And I was, <laughs> I've never had anybody who was a health provider ever say that to me before and I was a bit taken aback potentially offended by that and I said oh I don't think so <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and then we moved on and I thought the heck has forgiveness got to do with how I'm feeling in my physical body? <laughs> how rude. That's all the things that was going through my mind. <laughs> and then in the car on the way home, it just wouldn't get out of my head, eh? 
unforgiveness, unforgiveness. I was thinking, Lord, do I have any unforgiveness? Lord, if I've got unforgiveness, can you please show me? (laughs) And sure enough, within about 10 minutes driving in the car, then some things came to mind about things (laughs) that I had internalised and and not dealt with. Interesting, isn't it? And so I said, thank you, Holy Spirit, (laughs) for my alternate medical provider who highlighted (laughs) this issue. I've forgiven him. Yes, I've forgiven him. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's so true, isn't it, that, that, you know, those sorts of things do affect our physical body. And there is a scripture in Acts 8.23 from the King, Jam- King James Version. I'll go there, though. I've got a new King James here. But um, I want to read it from Acts 8.23. It says, from the King James, it says, For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And um, if anybody knows anything about gall and bitterness, so the gall of bitterness, that's a bitter substance that can literally make us sick. We've got a gallbladder attached to our liver and it releases bile. Okay, so there is a relation there. And so that was said... So what happened was there was a sorcerer, a man called Simon, who'd previously practiced sorcery. And, um, and so what happened was he gave his heart to the Lord. And, but then what happened, I think, it, yeah, it says, then Simon himself also believed, so yes, and he was baptized and he continued with Philip. Anyway, so what happened was further down in chapter 8, Verse 18, oh, 17. Then they, so they is, they are the, when they, they're talking about Peter and John, they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So he was observing this happening. He, he was observing Peter and John laying hands on people and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. And he said, uh, can I give you some money? I'd like to have this power too. And they said, no, of course not. Of course not. And, and then it says here in verse 20, it says, the gift of God could, uh, he said, it can't be purchased with money. Verse 21, for you have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this your wickedness. And then verse, verse 23, it says, For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness, which is interesting, isn't it? So, so that is actually something that can literally make us sick. And so then I went, uh, I turned, I found a scripture in Lamentations, which is, um, if you've got your Bible here, it's straight after Jeremiah. It's a little bit, one of those scripture, uh, chapters of the Bible that are hard to find because it's not very long. But they say that Lamentations was written by Jeremiah the prophet. But uh, chapter 3, so basically chapter 3, early part of chapter 3, he's talking about his anguish and all the things that hasn't worked out for him and so forth. And so verse 15 says, He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drink wormwood. And in verse 19 he says, Remember my affliction in roaming, the wormwood and the gall, which I thought was interesting because then, yeah. Now, I'd, 
If you read earlier in Lamentations, you'll see that the man is referring to the Lord, um, L-O-R-D in capitals, and in the English translation, Lord in capitals is the Hebrew translation of Yahweh, which is the part of God that set in place the cycles of life of seed, plant, and harvest, and, or sowing and reaping, you could also think of it as. So what these verses mean is that through the seeds we sow, the harvest can be gall or a bitter substance or, or bitterness, and so it can affect our soul and also cause physical health issues. But the good news is that there's always hope in God And verse 21 to 25 says, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. So if you want to be free of bitterness or even unforgiveness, there is always hope. There's always hope in God. The Lord is full of mercy and compassion. And when we're free of bitterness, other things in life will start coming right as well, including our health. And so we just need to want it ourselves. And so um, in in getting healed from bitterness, one thing we do need to be very mindful of is to put a bridle on our tongue. talks about that in, in James 3. In verse 11, it says, does the spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? So we've got to be mindful that we've got, we should be having words of life and health and healing and love and blessing coming out of our mouth, not words of bitterness and unforgiveness and so forth. All right. So I'm just, where are we up to? Yep. I'm just sort of getting to the point where I'm winding up. I just wanted to um, give an example from... Um, Exodus 15. So what had happened was Moses had led the people of Israel out of Egypt. They'd been released finally. They'd had the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. Then they were wandering and they hadn't had any water for three days. And so what, what, what happened was they came across this place where there was water, but they found that it, they couldn't drink it because it was bitter. And funnily enough, the people started showing their own bitterness at that point, and they started murmuring to, um, against Joseph, Moses. I keep saying that, I don't know why. Probably because Joseph was related to the Egypt thing. But murmuring against Moses, blaming him, and that was in verse uh, 24 of Exodus 15. Um, the Lord showed Moses a specific tree to cast into the water, and that tree made the water sweet, which is interesting, because then in verse 26, God said, I am the Lord who heals you. And so it's very interesting that once the bitter, bitter water was removed, God immediately said, for I am the Lord who heals you. Interesting, isn't it? Wow, that, that to me was like a revelation. Um, earlier in that verse, it, it says, by the way, I just want to clarify this for people that um, are reading that scripture of verse 26. Oh, no, uh, yes. It, it says, um, if you will diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, blah, 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 I will put none of the diseases on you which I've brought on the Egyptians. Now, I just want you to know that that's talking about the Lord, okay? So that's Yahweh, that's the seed plant harvest thing. So God wasn't trying to put sickness on anybody 
but it was the harvest that they were reaping. Just want you to be aware of that. So the latter part of that verse says, for I am the Lord who heals you. Interesting, isn't it, about the bitter waters made sweet? I am the Lord who heals you. So, um, so I, I really like that. So to be free from bitterness, it's just another thing that you can easily do yourself or with us. We're happy to do that with you. Um, but I just want to just really quickly take you through just the points and how to do that. Um, ask God to show you what is it, what is the event that has caused that or events, and identify the emotion you feel. It might have been anger, might have been resentment. Um, and then ask Jesus to take that from you. You can ask Jesus to actually remove it and heal you from it, to take that root of bitterness out. Um, and then just receive it. You know, God wants to heal every person, every single one of us. And so uh, if, if it might mean you need to do it more than once, but that's fine because God's all about healing you completely, not just of one little bit. And that's what I love about God. So never rush through that process. It's not a um, quick prayer that you can pray to cover every single thing you've ever done. You've actually got to, You've actually, it's important that you actually think through it, okay? So just to encourage you, this year is the year, and I felt very strongly, God, I think it came to me in a dream, that at the start of the year, God said he wants us to raise the banner of victory in 2023. He wants to bring increase. He wants to multiply our seed. He wants to bless us with abundance and cause our life to overflow with blessing. And so when we have that overflow and abundance, we can bless others with it. And so when, so that's why God wants us to deal with these things now, because those sorts of things like bitterness, roots of bitterness and unforgiveness can hold us back and prevent us receiving that abundance and that overflow. So, yeah, I just want to say one more little thing just as I finish. When we sow a seed, and that's our words and our actions, whether good or bad, it will bring a harvest. But God wants to replace the bitterness and unforgiveness with love and healing so that we can give out to others. And so, um, you know, God said in Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. So that's talking about overflow, but, you know, when we, when we give forgiveness, we'll receive forgiveness, you know. When we give love, we'll receive it, you know. God is wanting the very, very, very best for, for us, and so the best thing we can do is declare and decree those things over our lives. All right, so I just wanted to give an opportunity before we open up for prayer to uh, anybody that doesn't know Jesus, because he's the only way of salvation. It says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way. He is the truth. Um, that's why we have our sign saying what it says. And he is the life. And so what better thing could we ever do than connect in with that life source? And John, uh, Jesus... Uh, God said in John 3.16, um, 
Here is the way that God loved the world. He gave his only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. And you know, it says in Joel 2.32, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So all we have to do is just say, yes, Lord, that's me. Okay? Um, so I'm going to um, give an opportunity for anybody that says, you know what? I've tried doing things on my own and it's not working very well. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Okay? But if there's anybody that wants prayer or wants to be led through um, some healing in regards to unforgiveness or bitterness or any other kind of physical healing, any other kind of um, healing of any other kind of your soul, wounds to your soul, I want to pray for you, okay? And, and the leaders and ministry team are here to pray as well. So, um, James, could we please have some music perhaps? And, um, and I'll, I'll just say to you, I'll just pray over you, actually. Father God, I pray blessing and life over every person here. Thank you, God, for... I just pray, God, that this word, Lord, would, that's been sown, Father God, would re reap a harvest, Father, um, 30, 60, 100-fold, Father God. I pray, Lord, it wouldn't fall to the wayside, Father, but it, that it would grow and produce a harvest in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I speak life. I speak blessing. I speak financial increase. I speak um, abundance and provision, Father, with jobs, with income, with homes, with, pro, uh, with, with, um, with every aspect, Father, every, with, with health as well, Lord, and any aspect in these people's lives that need healing, I speak life into them in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. I would just like to say that there is, the cafe 